Welcome to Overfill, a podcast where we analyze cultural items that have been underrated or overlooked. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm your other host, Nadim. And today we're going to be talking about the mask, the protective mask we wear for COVID-19. Our finding here is that we are becoming physically disoriented at the same time we are undergoing a kind of social disorientation. That the mask is forcing us to carve out new relationships between space, time, objects, and even reality. This is Overfill. Um, you know what's weird, Nadim? What? This episode's all about orientation, and, and on my way here, I got lost. Right. I had to, for, first I asked for directions, I mean your address, mm-hmm. and then, like, when I was turning, I was like, where, like, where am I? What what neighborhood is like, this? Like, it didn't seem, like, familiar No, it did, nothing seemed familiar anymore, and it was just, like, very ironic, because... Were you wearing a mask while driving? I was not wearing a mask okay. while driving, but I have become socially disoriented. Wow. <laughs> this episode is all about <laughs> orientation. And the this episode is all about orientation. The ways in which our bodies situate themselves and perceive the direction of the world. Orientation is all about spatial awareness, our sense of space. We're oriented in this direction and not oriented in another. We become disoriented, for example, when we are spun around or when we become dizzy. When directions get lost, when up, down, left, right, across, and behind all become disrupted. But as we'll see in this episode, the protective mask has demonstrated that maybe orientation is more than just a bodily issue. Maybe our very sense of direction involves more than just spatial awareness, but social awareness and political awareness. In other words, Maybe the directions that are becoming important are more than just physical ones. The feminist writer Sarah Ahmed writes that there is another way of thinking about orientation. Orientation for her is about how the bodily, the spatial, and the social are entangled. We'll see entanglement. We'll see that the mask during this pandemic is a site of disorientation, revealing the ways in which all of our directions are getting confused. I'm very much pro-mask, and I think there's no question that the mask is very necessary right now, but it's also important to acknowledge that it is physically disorienting, meaning it upsets our sense of direction and perception in real and bodily ways, and with many things, this disorientation is unequal. Those who labor in hot or poorly ventilated conditions and must wear masks while they work suffer a disproportionate amount of disorientation. I think of my dad, for example, who works in a very hot factory during the summer. He told me that his days at work are becoming much harder, much longer, and that often he doesn't have a sense of time anymore or where things are located or who's behind or around him. We could say, working in a hot factory, my dad is now disoriented, and the mask acts on his body in a way that disorients not just his sense of space, but his sense of time. But on top of all this, our sense of space has become institutionally or socially disoriented. 
Think of the very concept of social distancing, where new guidelines must now create new space and mandate directions in new ways that our bodies have to physically adjust to. Some argue that physical distancing is much more of an accurate term. I would agree with this assessment as well. We need social solidarity and connection, especially now. But I wonder if social distancing reveals how bodily orientation is entangled with the social world. Grocery stores, for example, now regulate the paths in which we have to take and monitor the time and the conditions in which we are allowed inside. When I went inside a store for the first time, I became literally disoriented as I had to follow the arrows taped onto the ground. I became stopped mid-track by the woman who made me put sanitizer on. I was going through new pathways, new aisles, becoming hyper aware of my sense of direction and the people or the lack of people around me. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you. So I get all that, but, but where does institutional disorientation come into all this? So if the mask represents a physical disorientation, then new social distancing guidelines represent an institutional disorientation. When they are combined together, however necessary they are, the result is very much a disorientation of everything ourselves, our spaces, our bodies, and we're forced to develop a new relationship to space, time, touch, objects, other people, and much more. Ned, what's your impression of masks? What is my impression about them? Um, you hate them? I hate some of them. Honestly, <laughs> I bought one and it really pulled on my ears. Interesting. And it was not a good time. But other ones I love. Well, this episode is for you. And you know, they're kind of stylish. It's like a new accessory. One of the main functions of the protective mask is to prevent the flow of our own air from infecting other people. To prevent our own potentially dangerous droplets from going outward. We actually wear the mask in order to protect other people from ourselves. Already, there's a sense of disorientation here. We are making a barrier that goes onto our bodies in order to stop the spread of droplets that go outward. This might seem intuitive to most people, but based on some of the rhetoric circulating online, I think it's worth clarifying. Again, we don't necessarily wear a mask to protect things from going in as we prevent things from going out. The phrase, your mask protects me, captures the principle well. Here, I'm thinking of ways in which some anti-maskers defend their position. Maybe you've seen the Facebook posts, but they say things that boil down to, well, I don't wear a mask because I don't care about getting the virus. Or take this real Facebook comment we found on a mask infographic. A homemade mask of just fabric is definitely not going to be stopping particles from coming in. Here we see the confusion about direction. Wearing a mask stops things inside from going out. In the most common anti-mask argument, I don't care about the virus, therefore I won't wear a mask, there is a disorientation here, a belief that the mask protects things outside from coming in. And because of this orientation, there's now polarization. Meaning, as long as we aren't agreeing on the actual direction in which a mask works, then we will still continue to argue. There is even a sense of disorientation amongst pro-maskers. So a common tactic is to parallel mask wearing with seatbelt wearing and other safety measures. This boils down to, look, because we wear seatbelts and helmets, we should wear masks as seatbelts are things that 
we're required to wear and this has obviously led to a better society so sometimes we have to sacrifice personal convenience and comfort so wear masks because we have to wear seatbelts right as many have pointed out comparing masks to seatbelts may not be the perfect parallel that's because things like seatbelts and helmets protect ourselves protect us from a dangerous external environment that might come crashing inward. In other words, this argument is also disoriented. It has its directions confused, despite it having a conclusion you might agree with. Again, masks are not primarily about personal safety like the seatbelt is. They are about community safety. In many ways, the mask has come to symbolize this desire for protecting the community. We see huge debates about masks versus no masks because it is not just a simple object anymore. It is bound up in international policy and scientific research, as well as trust in those institutions. On the one hand, the public is seeing, for the first time in a while, scientific research and communication as it unfolds in real time. You know, as scientists gain new information about masks and necessarily have to update their original positions, then the rest of us have to adapt. That can be an exciting thing to watch unfold, but for many, it can also be a site of anxiety. It can come to solidify mistrust in scientific research and not an embracing of its challenges. That's the thing, like, I, there's this one guy I follow that is super conspiracy theory, 5G's causing covid who is it um it's just like a, someone we know uh no not someone you know but someone i know beyond that the mask has come to mean a deeper sense of civic responsibility and a desire to protect those around us this is why it seems like wearing masks is such a polarizing issue there's almost a clash of morality and orientation i'd be remiss to not mention that most of the time Anti-mask rhetoric comes from conservatives and the right. In general, progressives and those on the left are oriented towards community and equality, and it is why people on the left seem to already intuitively understand the mask's function, which is to protect the community. It's why we see movements like Black Lives Matter treat the mask as a requirement and a given. A movement centered around the community would necessarily include the mask in its mandate. Other anti-maskers, often those on the right, invoke their perceived individual freedoms when refusing to wear masks. This is because one of the core tenets of conservatism is individual liberty. If right-wing conspiracy conservatism is defined as a kind of toxic individualism, then the inherent dependency that the mask symbolizes can unsettle the conservative and expose where their individualism has to end in order to protect the collective. In other words, the mask is revealing a conservative orientation towards the self and those in the in-group. Just as the mask and social distancing guidelines are carving out the new relationships between space, direction, and time, they're also changing our relationships to objects. We could say that this is another form of disorientation, making us aware of how we have taken everyday objects for granted. What does it mean to take an object for granted? 
Well, we don't usually think about how objects are products of labor, time, policy, and culture. Those big ideas disappear almost behind the object. After all, how often do we think about what it took for an object like our bed to come into our room? How often do we stop and reflect on the amount of labor and resources and time it took for an object to arrive at the scene? Before coronavirus, I, for sure, never stopped to think about what it took for an object to come into my house. But people who move into a new house, for example, have a different relationship to the objects in their view. When they look at the table, for example, they see the amount of work that they had to put in to make the table arrive there, how much money they had to spend on the table, who they had to call to help them, the amount of work it took for them to lift the table and then maneuver it through the home. In the same way now, when I buy a mask, I'm reminded of how many things had to have happened. What resources, policies, time, global opinion, consensus, and research it took for the mask to arrive at the store and in my hands. And on my face. <laughs> in many ways, the mask is a new object that has been moved into Western culture by actors we don't see. And at the end of the day, that's why there's so much controversy with it. It's an object that tells us that things are not normal. A thing that disorients us physically and socially, and can represent our suspicion of institutions. It's a symbol that reminds us to change our orientation towards our own community. Other countries have had the mask as part of their everyday response to things like the common cold, and so the mask is not as disorienting for them. It's simply a part of their everyday lives. Remember just last year, if anyone was seen wearing a mask in Canada, we would look at them with suspicion. International students on our campuses who wore masks when they got the common cold were always considered strange, confusing, or disorienting. I'd spot people averting their eyes whenever they saw an international student with a mask on. In a very real and bodily way, they reminded us how different other countries' response to sickness was. And this, I think, was unsettling to a lot of people. One of the biggest memes around, right now, involves cakes. In its official title, everything is a cake. That's what they, that's what the kids are calling it, Ned. Mm. Everything is cake. It's, okay, a seemingly ordinary object. You know, a glass cup, a can, uh, a bowl, a uh, piece of fruit. I know this means. <laughs> it's sliced into to reveal some dark and chocolatey insides. The glass cup, the bowl, the piece of fruit was a cake all along. Filmmaker Zach King, he uses video illusions as a kind of modern magic trick. And he goes far with this particular meme where he pours water into a glass cup and then slices it into its center in one seamless shot. So some see this glass as half full, some see it as half empty, but I see it as a piece of cake. This quite surreal meme has a unique experience of frustration, crisis, and disorientation. It is disorienting in two ways. One in the very act of cutting, as we would never, you know, in ordinary circumstances, bring a knife to an object such as a glass cup. So already there is an unsettling trouble in the act of cutting. And two, it is disorienting in that the reveal that the object was a cake all along, we are forced to question the appearance of reality, something that we took for granted. 
Why the strange fascination with the cake meme right now? Why are we so fascinated with regular objects actually being cake? I wonder, given this meme's popularity right now, right in the middle of a pandemic, if it's unconsciously saying something about our disorientation with objects and space. I wonder if it demonstrates our new relationship to objects and space, that what we have previously taken as given or granted can be troubled by circumstance and context. In other words, maybe the cake meme is exposing something about how we have taken for granted objects and the world in general. To be very overfill, maybe the knife represents the pandemic as it cuts into the regular object, and that as it unsettles the viewer, so too is it cathartic to see our sense of unreality portrayed through the glass cup that is actually a cake. After all, we have up until this point assumed that things will always be internally consistent with their external appearance. We have assumed that things like our jobs and our schools and our grocery stores and our bars will always remain open and consistent. We have assumed that life can go on, business as usual, into our everyday life. That doesn't make any sense. We have assumed that life can go on, business as usual. But as the pandemic rages on, I would argue that nothing can be taken for granted anymore. Not our relationship with objects or even the appearance of reality. I think actress and comedian Alyssa Lamparis captured this sense of object disorientation and the ways in which we have taken objects for granted when she tweeted, the year is 2019. You hop in a lift, no mask in sight. Purell? 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 Never heard of her. You hug a friend and drink a vodka soda from a glass that someone hands to you. Everyone's touching their face. Life is good. End tweet. Nice. <laughs> it's interesting to me to see how this tweet also uses a glass cup. You know, something that is very politically neutral, the most everyday of objects, in order to illustrate its point. That is, the sharing of a drink is something that must be consciously avoided now. The glass cup has become a site of anxiety and disorientation. Just as the knife that cuts into Zach King's glass cup demonstrates our disorientation of reality, so too does this tweet show that the glass cup is a place of social disorientation, an object that is now forbidden, something that we have taken for granted, and that shows our new relationships to orientations, objects, and others. At the end of the day, what does this all mean? I think more than anything, it's good to have a language for this disorientation and to articulate the ways in which our bodies and our social selves have become disoriented. For many of us, disorientation is a new feeling. My friends frequently tell me that this summer is both moving slow and moving fast. We are trapped in this valley of freedom and unfreedom. The world may appear the same, but it is, in fact, not at all the same. And if we don't articulate our disorientation, then it might fester into helplessness, and we might never be able to get out. Maybe we are slowly accepting this disorientation as reality. Disorientation doesn't have to be a purely negative thing. When we are lost, when our directions have become disrupted, 
this can sometimes be a precursor to arriving in a new and unexpected good place. I certainly feel like I've arrived in a new place psychologically. You feeling that too, Ned? Absolutely. I feel as though this disorientation has directed me onto a new path of growth or, or something like maturity, but it was b about sitting with this disorientation for a time before trusting it would lead to better things, and maybe that is all we can ask for. And if we haven't been clear so far, wear a mask. Joe, okay. <laughs> Where's your mask? <laughs> <laughs>